This is Between the Lines. I'm Junior. And I'm Scott. It is January 24th. We're in Matthew chapter 24. We have one week left of January. January kind of flew by, at least for me. Yeah, I'm, I like January flying by. <laughs> I'm hoping February flies by too. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to I, I mean, spring. if you're in Chicago, you know this, but it's been it's been pretty nice weather. That's it has been. That's complain. right. Yeah. Well, right. and we've been <laughs> we were in Africa for yeah, a true. chunk of that. Yeah. All right, Matthew chapter 24 is on the docket today. Hey, we better not do too much talking. We got 50 verses here, so we got right. we got to move. You're telling me? <laughs> I feel like we're pot calling the kettle black. Yeah, I am the one that tends to make the comments. All right, you want me to read? Yeah, yeah, I'll go. Mind. Verse 1 of Matthew 24, as Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Yeah, that's a big deal, isn't that? Yeah. Because this you, is like the center of Judaism right here. Yeah, yeah. And you and I have been there. We've seen we've seen the destruction because the, destruc- the debris of the destruction and these huge blocks and all of that is still there. You can yeah. still see where they were tipped off of the Temple Mount onto yeah. the lower level And below. it's crazy to stand there and look at it and think, Jesus called that right there. Jesus mm-hmm. called it. And then to look at some of those blocks are just massive. Yeah, like they Bigger are. than cars. It, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe that, that, I mean, they had to use some pretty massive tools to be able to do this. And yeah. the, the thinking had been at one time that this must have been after the fact, that there's no way Jesus could have called it that perfectly, but... We, we know today that Matthew was indeed written before the destruction of the temple. That yeah. This was a prophecy that Jesus, that, that was fulfilled. It is. All right, I'll continue. Verse four, Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Now, real quick, just because you skipped over verse three. I did, yeah. It's okay. The context <laughs> is he's on the Mount of Olives now. Right. He's on the Mount of Olives yep. teaching this. Yep. And this is what we call the Olivet Discourse because he's on the Mount of Olives. And the disciples had asked him, you know, when are these things going to happen? Yeah. You know, when's the end of the age? Yep. He actually gives three answers. He, he gives the answer as to when the temple destruction or the destruction of Jerusalem will take place, when... The uh, end of the age is going to take place as well when he's going to return. So there's yeah. three questions, three answers that he gives. And yeah. we, we don't have the time to go through how each of these are answered precisely. But right. But I do want to point out in verse five, he says, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. Right now I'm watching a documentary on different weird cults and beliefs. It's on Hulu. It is unbelievable the amount of people who have claimed to be Jesus and not just that but the amount of people who will have been deceived by by them yeah so again just more prophecy that that Jesus has called and it, it's happening uh all right verse seven I believe nation yeah, will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. This has been happening for 2,000 years the, and beyond that even, the, the wars and the difficulties. Verse 9, this is, this is when the real difficulty is going to begin. He says, verse 9, then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, 
and then the end will come. Yeah, I love I love that uh, verse thirteen that says, "But the one who endures to the end will be saved." Every night I tuck my girls into bed. That's my prayer. I always finish our prayer my my prayer for them by saying, "And may Nora or may Madison, may Reese follow you to the end of of their days." Mm. You know, that's that's really what we want to be poised for, to be that one who endures to the end. Yeah, when we give out this good news, that which is mentioned in verse 14, it, it should always be with the understanding that becoming a follower of Jesus means you're becoming a follower of Jesus for the rest of your life and into all eternity. Okay, verse 15, the day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilege, uh, sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. And reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat when they see these things happening, when the Antichrist is being revealed and when he's taking over. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish then at any time than any time since the world began. And it will never be so great again. This is in the old King James, New King James. I think even the ESV it, it refers to this as there, this will be great tribulation. So this is referred to as a period that's referred to in the future. Again, depending on what your eschatology is, but my eschatology is that there will be this seven-year period of tribulation yeah. that will take place. Can you and, just say what eschatology means? Just, I'm, I'm sorry. Know. Yeah, eschatology is the theology of the end times of what yeah. will happen in the end times. All right, verse 22, I, I'd love to comment on these, but this is a daily reading, and right. there's great studies that yeah. we could do in this and that are available, but right now this is a daily reading. For sure, reading. but I will say this, though, if this causes any questions, you can always write in. Absolutely. And, and we'd, we'd love to tackle those questions. You bet. Yep, and uh, you just write to Machunga at thebridge.church. <laughs> That's Jordan. <laughs> In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Then if anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. So there's going to be a lot of deception, and this is where we've got to make sure that we really are in tune to and connected with the true, with the one true God and with his son, Jesus, because there's going to be so much deception that even people we would think would never be fooled will be fooled. Verse 26, in fact, Junior, why don't you take over here? Sure. So, so if someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't go bother and go look. Or look, he's hiding here. Don't believe it. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines in the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. And, and what he's saying there is that we will all know exactly when Jesus returns, we will all know simultaneously around the earth that this is the return of Jesus. Just as the gathering of vultures shows there's a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in heavens will be shaken. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens. I just love this thought. Just, just envision yeah. this. There'll be deep mourning among all those peoples on the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Oh, man, what a, what a scene. He will send out his angels with a mighty blast of a trumpet, 
They will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. It's interesting that trump, that theme of the trumpet, you find this referencing the return of Jesus in multiple places in scripture, this of course being one of them. Yeah. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. Now this comes from earlier on this past, what was it, this weekend when we would have read through the, when Jesus curses the fig tree. And so now he's explaining why he cursed the fig tree right here. He says, learn the lesson from the fig tree that he had cursed earlier. When its branches bud and its, its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. Oh, you know what? I'm off, aren't I? I thought this is when he talks about the fig tree. No, he, the, the cursing of the fig, actually it happens twice. It does happen twice. Yeah, okay, that threw me off. Verse 32, now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Wait, wait, let's just read that again. <laughs> no one knows the day or the hour no when these things will knows. happen. No yeah, That's right. Man, in every generation, every decade, there's some smash hit Christian book that I, I, I'm almost embarrassed for those Christians that become so gullible to these things when somebody comes out and says, I've done this new calculation and I got this new math or new science or you know whatever it is, that, that this is when Jesus is going to return. And they... I automatically know it's a false prophet. They yeah. don't know. I'm not just embarrassed for those Christians. I'm embarrassed for us Christians who just gives a bad name to it. It's yeah. The gullible Christians. No one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the son himself. Only the father knows. When the son of man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. So it's not going to feel like it. it the rest of the world, and, and those of us as Christians, this is why Jesus said that we're to watch. The watching there isn't so much keep track of all of these signs. It's more about paying attention to yourselves that yeah. as some of these signs take place, you can recognize that Jesus's return is coming nearer and nearer. So it's so important that you keep track of yourself because the rest of the world's going to be oblivious to this. We've got to make sure that we are ready with our lives, with our relationships, with our openness in the gospel and proclaiming Jesus to others. Always ready to stand before God. Verse 40, two men will be working out in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. That's quite an image there that you've got, that one will be taken, the other left. Uh, uh, this, this is this great disappearance that is going to take place. When I was a kid, I remember like, you know, if you guys went out in the yard or something like that, and I woke up from a nap or something, I looked around and nobody was in the house. <laughs> I'd always be freaking out. Oh, no. Rap <laughs> rapture. Rapture happened and they're gone. Jesus says, so you too must keep watch. For you don't know what, what day our Lord is coming. Your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time. For the Son of Man will come when you least expect it. A faithful servant, sensible, a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. 
But what if the servant is evil and thinks my master won't be back for a while? And he begins beating the other servants and partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant into pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Strong imagery. Yeah, it really is. And the point of all of this is that we are to, as followers of Jesus, we should be looking forward to his return. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Maranatha, that's the term Maranatha with it. It's something we should celebrate his return. I pray every day, Lord, come. Please come back. Please take over. We desperately need you. But at the same time, we've got to be ready for his return. Our lives in such a way that we will be embarrassed when he returns or that we can truly yeah. rejoice when he returns. Well, I like what you said earlier too, that when it, when it comes to watching the signs, it doesn't mean to become obsessive about the signs and the prophecy and trying to connect this and that. Though I'm not saying that that is wrong, but some people, it's almost a hobby well, of theirs. Yeah. They really, really get into it. But that's not what but Jesus is getting But it can be obsessive at. and it can take them off track of actually being witnesses as it, well. It can, it can. But I like what you said that keep track of yourself. Yeah. Which servant am I? Am I the servant saying, eh, it's not going to be today. We're fine. Or is it the, or am I the servant saying, no, he can come back anytime. All right. We made it through 50 verses. Right. Let's get into Proverbs. You picked out a, yep. a Proverbs, Proverbs chapter really like. 24 is the one for today. I love the end of verse six. It says, victory depends on having many advisors. Look for advice. Yeah. Get all the advice you can. That's and right. when you get that advice, don't have your mind made up going around looking for people that agree with you. Yeah, don't look for co-signers. Look for people that will challenge you yep. and get the advice you need before making those decisions. I think good people, or people who make good decisions, they look for people who are actually going to oppose them Yeah, just to get other thoughts. All right, well, that was it. I know it was a little bit longer today, a lot more verses that, that we covered, but we're done. And we've enjoyed hearing back from a lot of you. We really have been. And so thanks for being a part of this. And let's keep doing this on a reg every single day. Make this a daily habit. And we'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.